This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Ohio State fans. I'm Patrick Murphy for uh, Bucknuts and 247 Sports. I guess, depending on when you listen to this, it could be afternoon, could be evening. Um, we're recording it in the morning. But I'm here with Tyler Donahue of Lions 247. We're going to talk about Ohio State's big game this weekend. Buckeyes getting ready to host Penn State. Nittany Lions coming to Columbus. I know Buckeye fans are excited to, to finally get a night game against Penn State after the last few have been noon or, or mid-afternoon games. Tyler, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm happy to return the favor, Patrick. Really enjoyed you having on the Lions 24-7 podcast. You gave us great insight on the Buckeyes who are rolling right now. And uh, apologies for, for some lighting out here. If you heard some birds chirping, I've got a two-week-old daughter inside, and she's a little frisky right now. So uh, I'm co- coming out here and, and get some peace and quiet as best I can for you guys. I'm sure that uh, any of the people listening to this, watching this, uh, a lot of them pro- can probably relate, have, have yeah. been through that. Congrats to you and your family you. on that one. Um, so before we get into to this game, I want to go back to last year because when Ohio State fans last were really paying close attention to Penn State was around the game that these two teams played. That was early in the season, early in the, the strange season. Uh, and Penn State obviously did not start the year well, but finished strong. So going back to last year, um, you don't have to go too deep into it, but that end to the season where Penn State ran off those consecutive wins, what what changed for that team? And then how do you think that kind of carried over into the offseason and, and maybe the start of this season? Yeah, I mean, Ohio State fans got a glimpse at, at the spiral last year, but it got a lot yeah. worse for, from that game on. They, they fell to 0-5. They benched Sean Clifford. Clifford, during the 0-5 start, had 10 turnovers, three consecutive games. There was a defensive touchdown off of one of those turnovers that felt like everything was unraveling. And, and when you lose and, and you're absolutely stomped by Maryland at home in a game that you were a three-touchdown favorite for, it, it, it was a look in the mirror and figure what's going on. And James Franklin had had moments where he said he was not doing well away from his family. I'm sure you heard maybe that, that his daughter had underlying issues. His family was separated all of last season, said that weight on him. But on the field, um, you know, people are going to point to a lot of excuses. The biggest thing for them was they simplified things offensively under Kirk Shiraka. Um, after that 0-5 start, they, they turned to a lot of ground game. Um, you know, a guy who came on strong was Will Levis as a runner down the stretch yeah. last year. He's now Kentucky's starter. Um, Sean Clifford certainly carries some weight as a runner, but he only turned the ball over twice during a four-game win streak down the stretch last season. It wasn't like they went through a gauntlet. They, they played a bad Michigan team on the road. They won that game for their first victory. Uh, they beat Rutgers on the road and kind of an ugly game finished with the win against Illinois and a win against Michigan State so they had a lot to prove coming into this offseason but the thing that, that that really turned a lot ahead was 
not only did they double down Clifford as their guy, Will Levis hit the portal. They also had freshman Micah Bowens hit the portal. They were left with three scholarship quarterbacks. They stood pat there, but they didn't stand pat on offensive coordinator. Kirk Shiraka got dumped after one season where he probably had, what, maybe three or four regular real practices over the course of the right. process. And they brought in Mike Yersish, who Franklin has been very high on for a long time. And um, the talk all season, just like it was, or the talk all year, just like it was all last year, was how would the marriage between Sean Clifford, a guy who's played a lot of Big Ten football, and a new offensive coordinator work out? It was a disaster in a lot of ways last year. And then this year, um, it started off tremendously, and it was one of the great comeback stories. And let's also note here that by the end of the first offensive series for Penn State last year in the home and the opening game at Indiana, they lost Noah Kane, who was their starting running back. They had already yeah. lost Journey Brown, who was a superstar in the making to a heart condition. He had to retire. And, of course, they lost Big Ten linebacker of the year, Micah Parsons, to an opt-out in August when the schedule was not solidified. I would say by the end of that first series of the first game, Penn State was without three of its top ten players on the roster at that point. Yeah, definitely. Well, as we look to this year, uh, you know, things obviously started really well for Penn State. The last two games have not gone so well. In, in terms of the results, you know, I was looking at it this week and it, it didn't hit me until I was looking at scores and what the, but these two losses consecutively here for Penn State have only come by five total points. And one was to a very good Iowa team. What's just been your read on this team to start the season and then where they are now coming into this game, obviously coming off the two losses, but was also we're also ranked as high as number four in this AP poll at one point. Yeah, you're being gentle with the five-point margin because no matter what the margin is against that Illinois team on your home turf, there's no excuse for it, and it was a calamity. It was an absolute calamity. Now, I will say this has been a kind of a repetitive trend uh, for Penn State under James Franklin is um, – piling up losses not like four or five in a row but but two in a row you know they when they went on the road in 2017 as a number two team in the country they lost that that late lead against ohio state they followed it up with a loss against michigan state when they lost that game and chase young stopped miles sanders in the backfield a few years back they followed that up out of a bye week with a loss to michigan state so this has been a bit of an issue against Illinois at home, though, a team that was absolutely reeling. There, there's no excuse for it. I would say the biggest conundrum right now is the offense has absolutely imploded since Sean Clifford was injured in the second quarter at Iowa. Um, they were yeah. cruising, man. I, I mean, they were up 17-3 to when, when Clifford exits that game. I, I know Iowa followed up with a touchdown drive to make it 17-10, to but we didn't see Clifford the rest of the way. Penn State didn't convert a third down the rest of the way. They had eight pre-snap penalties with backup quarterback Taquan Roberson. Really, all they needed to do was score one touchdown in that game, and they They'll probably survive. They couldn't. Mm-hmm. They were out. They were outscored twenty to three for the remainder of the game. It was an atrocity in terms of trying to bridge that gap between Sean Clifford and competent quarterback play. And that was the question that I had, and a lot of us on the beat had all offseason: is did they do enough to stabilize their quarterback room? Because there were a lot of questions about Sean Clifford coming out of last year. Twenty big, t- twenty total starts in his career, but a lot of question marks about what he was going to look like. Taquan Roberson was the backup. You had Christian Veyer as a true freshman early enrollee, but. Kid came down from Canada. He didn't play last year as a senior because his high school year was postponed. So not a reliable option really at this stage. And Taquan Roberson had never completed a college pass in his career. His first big debut was a disaster. And we had not seen him since. I think there was some surprise that we didn't see him last week. Sean Clifford got the nod. So you figured, okay, he's got to be able to, to do what he can. It was a non-factor as a runner. Penn State is 9-1, and one, Patrick, when Clifford goes for 40-plus yards on the ground. Three of the first six games this year, 20-plus yard runs in each of them. He did not attempt a single design run against Illinois. Let me remind you that he was on the field for seven consecutive two-point conversion tries, and he didn't run the ball once. 
So that tells you, I think, a lot about how they feel about Clifford and trusting him. He didn't turn the ball over against Illinois, but also how they feel about the rest of their quarterback room and not feeling comfortable and confident to get that to get someone else in the game, whether it was to start the game or to finish the game. And there's no ground game to lean on right now. The, the Penn State backfield features five former four-star prospects in our 24-7 sports rankings, and not one of them has seized this job. And a big liability has been the offensive line. They have surprisingly and quite frankly, stunningly taken a step back. Um, and, and it's hard to quantify. And it's something that I don't think is really going to be remedied on the road in Columbus, which is a problem. You mentioned Sean Clifford, and I think that's a question that, that a lot of people have going into this game on, on both sides. And those of you in the comment section, if you have questions for Tyler about Penn State, feel free to post them and, and we'll try and answer some of those along the way if we don't hit them on, on them already. But Sean Clifford, I know James Franklin talked about him earlier this week. You guys got a chance to talk to him this week as well. What's your read on where he is health-wise? Sounds like he's going to play, but how much better can he be in what, you know, maybe the biggest game of the year for both teams? Yeah, last week and, and the bye week, there was it was very hush-hush on Sean Clifford. That's the way Penn State operates. We talked about this on my podcast. We, we get nothing yeah. in the way of injury news. We still don't know what exactly is affecting Sean Clifford, although he was grimacing and reaching toward his right torso, lower right torso. Um, it was all over the, the TV broadcast, so everyone's aware of that. Um, but I will say um, Clifford this week and, and James Franklin as well, encouraging words. That's all they are right now. Clifford uh, right. saying he feels like he's going to be uh, close to 100% of his capabilities. I straight up asked. Can, can you be the dual threat? Can you be the runner, the guy who's been creating creating in the pocket, outside of the pocket? That's been a big part of his progress under Mike Yersich is buying time beyond the line of scrimmage. And let's face it, he's going to face athletic freaks coming his way from Ohio State. He's going to need to be able to dance a little bit, move a little bit to give guys like Jahan Dodson room to get, to get free downfield. And if he can't do that, I don't know where Penn State turns. He says he, he thinks he'll be able to do that, be more mobile. James Franklin says this will be the closest to 100% we've seen for Sean Clifford in a few weeks. Um, but I'll tell you what, uh, he had really strong drive, a three for three, 87 yards. That was the one touchdown drive that they had against Illinois. That was late mm -hmm. in the first quarter. Aside from that drive, though, Patrick, his stats against Illinois, uh, 16 of 31, 78 yards. Again, no turnovers, but a non-factor as a runner. And again, that kind of lack of efficiency and the fact that Penn State kept turning to him tells you all you need to know about where things stand at quarterback right now for the Nittany Lions, in my opinion. The the talking point, I think, going into this, and, and a question just popped up here about, about that, um, James Franklin's comments this week obviously asked a lot about the USC-LSU rumors linking him to – or linking him to those jobs, you know, the, the – the headlines on Twitter, so to speak, were that he kept referring to Illinois as opposed to Ohio State um, and, and things like that. Do you think that this has affected him at all? Do you think, and not just this game, but maybe last week, maybe some of these other games, the fact that he's being linked with some of these big time jobs, is is that been a factor in, in maybe these last two losses or do you not not attest to that at all? I think it's uh, it's tough to get that read. I think all that matters right now really is is the vibe that the locker room is getting from James Franklin on the matter mm -hmm. and the vibe that this recruiting class is getting from James Franklin. I know you're well aware and your listeners are well aware Penn State has built a really strong recruiting class despite having a four and five season last year. And, you know, we'll see if, if they keep racking up losses, that's going to be challenged. But James Franklin has a lot going on that he's invested in the future here. But I think there's also questions about the university leadership. Is this a marriage that is built to last for 15 plus years? They're at year number eight right now. He signed an extension a couple of years ago. Um, I think he really likes the staff that he has put in place. Um, he got the offensive coordinator that he really coveted for a few years. Um, but 
with that said, uh, money talks. Uh, he's got a family as well. Uh, he's raising a family. They're still of age where I think he could move and you know they could resettle and, and still grow up somewhere else. So there's yeah. a lot. There's a lot to look at here. He's a Pennsylvania guy. Um, he, he talked about his loyalty to the university, his loyalty loyalty to the program, to his players yesterday on the practice field. But he, he no one in college football is going to go so far to say I guarantee I'll be in this job in 2022, or they're not going to say well, I really got to run from this media session. I got a call with another school I got to get to. So right. I know I know people want one or the other and they're ready to jump on James Franklin. But I'd have to imagine if it's not distracting his team, it's got to be distracting him. It's got to, I mean, whether it's losing sleep, um, I think it's just human nature. And this is something, you know, it, it's good for James Franklin. It's, it's gotten him taken care of. It talks about the job he has done at Penn State. And obviously sure. you look at Vanderbilt's history and what they did his three years there is way better than what they've done at any other point. But, Year after year, you know, it's Texas A&M, it's Florida State, it's been USC in the past, it's USC again, it's LSU. Um, it, it's something that seems to pop up year after year, and and at some point, I think that starts to really wear on the fan base, and I think that's where you're getting a lot of the, the people saying this is the problem, when I think clearly the problem is Sean Clifford is injured, and they didn't have a plan B ready at quarterback. Understandable. <clears throat> what he didn't do was like another coach in Pennsylvania and say, there's, there's not a blank check big enough to, uh, yes. to get me out of here. <laughs> Maybe they should get the same question answer writers to, for, for the Steelers and Penn state. Um, Mike Tomlin's a fun one. Yeah. I'll, I'll take some Mike Tomlin. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, he uh, let's move over to the defensive side of the ball before we get out of here. What would you say you are more convinced by um, Penn state's, ability to shut down well I guess let me rephrase that what what are you looking at more in this game Penn State's ability to shut down Ohio State's passing offense with with the defensive backs that they have or at least slow it down we talked on on your guys show about how teams have, have struggled with that just a number of weapons or are you more concerned about the rushing attack that Ohio State brings in this game given what Penn State gave up on the ground last weekend where you kind of fall with those two uh, sides on defense yeah, last week it was 38 passing yards and three turnovers from the Illinois quarterback during regulation, but it was uh, you know 350 rushing yards from Illinois right. at the same time. Uh, I would say Travion Henderson is coming into this one sprinting, right? I mean, look, look at what he's done in, in the last few games. So that's the concern. P.J. Mustafer was probably the most consistent player in the defensive front seven during the first five Penn State games. He got injured early against Iowa. He's lost for the season. That's a big loss at the front defensive tackle. They were already down a couple projected starters in Akeem Beeman and Adiza Isaac, who didn't play it down this year. So to me, it's it's the wear and tear that you're seeing the defense take. They're getting taxed because the offense isn't staying on the field. They are not staying on the field. There's been a bunch of three and outs, and this you know, the defense is getting thinner up front. And they're getting taxed up front. So I think that's a bad combination. And to me, defensive backfield for Penn State is as good as I've seen it covering this team. I think James Franklin at, at different points this year has called it the best defensive backfield from a talent perspective he has had. So that'll be fun to watch. If you like watching you know, the perimeter battles and, and the slot coverage battles, that's going to be a lot of fun. But my concern for Penn State is while you're doing a good job there, how long does it take for Travion Henderson and, and Ohio State's other running backs to wear you down to where it doesn't really matter and, and you're getting beat at all different angles as the game goes on? That's where I think Penn State's really subject to an issue here. Um, if Clifford can't be mobile on that side, there's no chance. And to me, if they can't shore things up and, and, and really get some depth going on the defensive front that we haven't seen to this point, I think it could be a long afternoon defensively. Yeah, Ryan Day was very complimentary of, of the Penn State defense earlier this week. Um, you know, he, he cited a, a bunch of different numbers that 
that reflect positively on the Nittany line. So I do think that will be interesting. This Ohio State offense has, has been rolling, but hasn't faced really stiff competition um, defensively. Tyler, I'll get you out of here on this. And you sort of touched on it with the James Franklin stuff, but just kind of the mood of the fan base right now mm-hmm. and, and what they're viewing this game as. Obviously, it's a big game every year between these two and, you know, has been a battle for the Big Ten East. Penn State obviously still in the mix for the Big Ten East. But w- what do they view this game as? What's kind of the mood this year of the program as they head, it, head to Columbus? I think it just feels like in the last seven quarters of football, everything has been taken away. That that looked like such a special bounce back season for Penn State, for Sean Clifford, for James Franklin. A storybook kind of scenario maybe playing out here where you have a top five matchup at Ohio State. And I think a lot of people, when they got up 17-3 to in Iowa City a couple weeks ago, you said – Maybe they can go to Columbus and and do something with the Buckeyes up there and in Ohio State. I was one of those people. Yeah, I and, and, and I and I was starting to buy into it. Now, uh, you know, I'm I'm thinking Ohio State wins by 14 plus. Um, you know, I I see them building a, a lead, a two score lead early in the game, and Penn State just not being equipped right now to, to come back and kind of that being, uh, you know, Ohio State just getting enough done offensively as the game goes on, explosive plays that Penn State can't keep up and um, you know keeps them behind. So I think ultimately you're looking at a scenario where it felt like, you know, what, three minutes into the second quarter out of Iowa, everything was in front of you, maybe getting to Indianapolis, certainly getting to that college football playoff conversation. But here it is against Ohio State. And, and I'll say this, 2017 recruiting class that came into Penn State, including Sean Clifford, they don't win this. They're 0-5 against Ohio State. And, yeah. you know, they came in after Penn State won that 2016 matchup, won the 2016 conference title. And I know that, that that's got to sting James Franklin if that group goes over against the Buckeyes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we will see Saturday night at the horseshoe kickoff just after seven 30, the scarlet out uh, the Buckeyes are doing, which, uh, which should be interesting. Uh, I don't know if they've done that for Penn state before, but it does seem to get more red in the stadium when they do that, even with, with all the, the red that's scarlet. Sorry. That's, that's normally in there. Tyler, thank you for joining me. Um, thank you all for, for tuning in. If you listen to this live, watched it live, all that. Um, I appreciate everybody jumping on. And uh, Steve and I will be back after the game talking more. Either Steve or Dave and I will be back after the game talking about the result and everything that, that went down. Appreciate it, guys. We'll talk to you all soon.